everyone. This is Regina. Hi, horse lovers. This is Lynn. This week on the Horse Industry Podcast. This is actually yeah. kind of a good segue. So let's talk about Bravo. Yes. Tell us, tell us about Bravo and, and <laughs> not only how you got him in the, in the struggles that you've had and overcome with him, but we want to know about Bravo himself. Every horse has its own personality. It's right. like, it's just likes its individuality. So talk to us about Bravo. So I was thinking initially coming in here, how long I've had him and I had him when I still had Jem. So I think Laura Reach, Laura Hanstein, she's the original owner of him. She's the one that got him from holding. He's not a Mustang makeover horse. People a lot of times ask me, you know, oh, did you do him in a Mustang makeover? I said, no, he's actually was, was just a tip horse from mm-hmm. Laura's. Okay. And she got him and did all the gentling work with him. And Laura owns a rescue facility in Jackson, Michigan. Okay. Reality's Chance Rescue and Sanctuary. And I think it's more like Pleasant Lake, but it's close to Jackson. That's where he came from. She gentled him. And and when they started getting ready to try to ride him, he was very scared. Mm -hmm. And he obviously fucked them off. (laughs) Right. And after trying for a little while, you know, she realized that, hey, you know, maybe he needs to go to somebody with more experience. So I don't know all the trainers she sent him to, but I do know that she, he at least went to two or three different trainers throughout the period of a year, two years or whatever. And, you know, why a lot of people tried to ride him, they in turn eventually got bucked off or got bucked enough off enough that they were like, okay, this horse, I don't know if he's going to be able to be ridden. Like yeah. I just, he may just be a pasture pet. Like maybe something's wrong with him, you know, cause some Mustangs just aren't going to be ridden. I mean, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, they just yeah. can't be, they're just either physically or emotionally, they just can't handle it. So she reached out to me. I, I remember it was that fall. I think it was in November and explained the situation and what he was. And like, you're like the last chance when it's not mm-hmm. that he can just be a pasture pet, but you know, we'd really like to be able to try to ride him. And cause she told me that he was very easy to gentle. Like he loves people really human oriented. So I like to say that they've received domestication. Well, cause some Mustangs don't love people or they just like one person, but he, he's definitely a, a people horse. So when I got Bravo, I remember working him that first week and kind of putting him through the program I had at the time, which I've changed a lot since then. But I remember that first week and I thought, Oh my goodness. Yes. This horse, he can buck. <laughs> he's <laughs> it's a special a talent. Lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the thing is they had these people had desensitized him so much, you know, I remember you could like take a tarp over him. You could cover him with it. He would drag it. He didn't care because people like desensitize, desensitize, desensitize. But what nobody ever did was try to help him through his fear of the saddle, the girth and the rider. They just tried to desensitize him. Bravo I didn't think of, of it in that way. It really is two different things. Yeah. 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 Because if you think about it, riding a horse really is unnatural for them. I can't remember one trainer says we're like basically putting like dead animal hide on them <laughs> and being like, here, let me strap this to you. And it's tied to you. You can't get away from it. And here I'm a predator and I'm getting right. on, you know, yeah. and handle that. And, and domestic horses, you know, are just, it's a little different for them. We're talking about a wild horse that's, that's raised in generations of like, Hey, you need to run away from this stuff. Mm-hmm. And then we're asking him to take it. And once again, you know, we talk about, that's why I think people love Mustang so much is because once you get that trust that they allow that it's addicting 
I was like, okay, what do I do? <laughs> and I know whatever I've done with him, people have done to him so much to try to get him over this. I had my Mustang gem at the time and is dealing with spooking issues. And Mustang Maddie or Madison Chainbaugh is when she lived in Indiana, Northern Indiana. She now lives out in Colorado, but I reached out to her. She was in town and I said, Hey, can I bring my Mustang gem for a lesson? Cause I want your help in, it was kind of very recently when, after she'd won the Mustang magic with her horse, Amira, that she had trained completely at Liberty. And that's another story we'll get into here in a minute. I went down there for the lesson with Jem to try to help with spooking and coping. And it's so funny. The thing that she taught me with Jem, I was like, well, this is dumb. It doesn't make sense. I actually now use so much with Bravo in his coping mechanism and I understand it so much more now. (laughs) It shows you like how much you like mature over your period of time. At the end of the lesson, he said, Hey, Maddie, I have this, this new Mustang that came to the training. This is his issue. What would you suggest I I do with him because he, he just, he's terrified and all he does is buck. And she said, you need to replace his bucking behavior with another behavior and you need to shape it into something different. And I was like, okay. And so she's basically had me teach him to express when he was nervous via hindquarter yielding instead of bucking. I trained him and he is just so incredibly smart And I think it only took like three or four days to teach him this. It was crazy. I would take something that he was mildly nervous about. So not something that's going to make him buck, but just Mm -hmm. something maybe it's going to make him raise his head or walk off or something and put it on him. So maybe that was the saddle pad. We'll say it's the saddle pad. Mm -hmm. We put the saddle pad on him and he goes to move or he shows he's nervous. I asked him to hindquarter yield and I would remove the object. Mm. So basically we gave him a way to communicate when he was nervous. Right. So then he started going, Hey, when she puts his paddle saddle pad on, she hindquarter yields me, she takes it off. And so then he, w- it was like this, like, the you light could tell he was like yeah, you could just tell he was like, Oh my goodness. Somebody is trying to communicate with me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's kind of how it started or how it was able to be successful is, you know, obviously one with the saddle pad. And then to the saddle and then obviously the girth. And if he was nervous, he would hindquarter yield. And then I'd take it off right away. Wow. Rather than him blowing up and exploding. And mm-hmm. then we, he would just hindquarter yield. Wow. And so we did that. And then it went into me sitting on him. And then if he'd hindquarter yield, I'd slide off. He's the first horse I actually started bareback because we had to break it down into so many pieces for him. Right. Obviously, you know, if the saddle was, too, we had to deal with the saddle, but then we had to deal with the person. So we had to break it down. We had to deal with the girth. We had to break it down into little, little tiny sections. He was also extremely mouthy with the bit, just chomped it and chomped it and chomped it. And I thought he is so worried about this, that it's going to override his ability to think with me being on him. So I actually started him in a Bozell. Okay. Because he couldn't think. And later I now understand why he had so many issues. I will not say he has never bucked me off now because he did buck me off. Was it this spring? Okay. I, or last, I think it was this spring, but it was completely my fault. So I can't say he's never bucked me off, but uh-huh. up until that point, he's never just, he never to this day has just started randomly bucking, right. you know, just like out of an explosion. He's never done that. Mm-hmm. Is it his go-to when he gets scared? Sure. It's still in there. It's never mm-hmm. completely gone. Every horse has something that they're going to resort to, whether it's a bolt, rear, buck, kick, bite, whatever. Like at the end of the day, 
when they're terrified and they can't get away, what are they going to do? And that's what, or they're going to freeze or whatever. That's, that's just shows you that it's still in there. That's how we got him over it or got him through that to the point where we could ride him. And during that period of time, I had not done Liberty before. And I honestly, this is funny. So I thought that Liberty wasn't true Liberty if you had to use an halter and a lead rope to be able to get the horse to learn how to do it. Mm. I was like, well, that's bogus. You know, that's not really true Liberty. True Liberty is if you get the horse to join up without ever putting a halter or anything on. Well, enter Mustang Maddie, gets her black horse Amira, videos the whole thing, shows how she literally starts Amira in a week without ever putting a halter on her and all at Liberty. And I was like, oh yes, this is true Liberty. <laughs> and I was like, okay, this is like, she's showing everybody that, and it can't be done, but it's a lot of work. So I started following her and just watching like her promo videos and literally was picking up how her cues were and things that she was doing. And I started Bravo doing Liberty mm-hmm. with that. So with no halter or lead rope, I have totally changed my mind now and totally tell people put the halter and lead rope on, <laughs> you know, I do a lot of Liberty <laughs> clinics, you know, we obviously all can't have six horses out there running around without a halter right. and lead rope and need to have a halter and lead rope. So <laughs> definitely have changed my mind. Just like I said, there's just no shame putting the bridle on. There's no shame in putting the halter on either. It's okay if you had to put the halter back up. But he kind of started that journey. And through that experience with Bravo, we bonded greatly. Mm-hmm. I just remember Laura coming and seeing him in training. She just was crying because she's like, oh my goodness, this is just so special. You know, I never mm-hmm. thought that this would be for him, mm-hmm. you know? And just amazed. Obviously, at the end of 90 days, I also had fallen in love with him at that point Aww. because I had never had that type of relationship with a horse before, I guess, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I honestly don't remember whose idea it was, but all in all, I ended up buying him. Aww. Laura was totally open for that. <laughs> it was more like she was like, please buy him. Right. <laughs> so that was his story as far as that goes and like I said in the on the the post on Facebook today like that would be happily ever after right mm-hmm. we all wish that would be but Bravo like Jem had a very terrible spooking problem so not all Mustangs are this spooky I don't want us to make it sound like all Mustangs are like this right that's his particular thing he's very watchful and he's very aware of anything that's new and different in his surroundings more so than like, he's kind of like the watchdog, I guess, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So he's always like, okay, look, that barrel wasn't there before. Oh, look, that pole wasn't there before. Oh, look, that wasn't there. That wasn't there. Oh, this is new. If you think about that, if we want to show horses and even trail riding, there is so much different stuff that comes into their environment so fast and so quick that they have to learn how to adjust quickly and mm-hmm. immediately. You know, I did start showing him in the Ram or Ranch Horse Association of Michigan. Mm-hmm. I think it was the next year. So I think he would have been five. I think I got him when he was four. So when he was five, you know, I was just really happy that we were there. And I think we did a trail class or something like that. And and I was like, okay, at least went through everything. Maybe you like spooked at all of it. But I was like, he at least went through it. Continued to work with him. But as time progressed, because you're like, okay, at some point they're going to get over it he would struggle time after time after time again, just even at home working in the arena, there'd be like this corner of obstacles and he would just always spook at it like Mm -hmm. all the time, which is the same issue I had with Jim. 
And I was just like, why? <laughs> you know, like it's, you see it every day. Like what's your problem? So it was just so much work in that way. Maddie had given me something to work with Jem. So as that horse is coming around the corner and they want to spook at it, you train them to look away from it. Oh. Basically go by the object, but they're kind of looking the opposite way. Right. And the coping mechanism, because you have to give them something to get through it. It's really interesting to this day. Now he will use the coping mechanism himself. I don't have to do it with him anymore. Hardly. Like he'll look at it and he'll be like, well, I'm scared. And then he'll look away. So it's like, he, he knows that he can't handle it. And so he'll look away himself now as an ability. Yes. So it's, it's really worked out for him. And I always tell people when they come to me for training or lessons or anything, and they have a horse that's kind of spooky, I'm like, always turn their head away from it. Cause if you're riding down the road and there's a big rock up there and there's a car coming, if you sit there and let that horse look at that rock, they're going to run, run away. Right. Right. Actually, I think I might start at it. I might start doing that for myself too. <laughs> don't look at it. If I don't like um, it, I'm just going to look the other way. <laughs> yeah. I tell people kind of what I do a counter bend into that rock and you're, then you can get by it safely. So it's also a good safety practice too, but it, it is something that I've taught him. See, the big change for him was in 2020. So I had just been struggling with him a lot, just in shows in general and COVID hit. And of course, everything stopped. Right. Nobody's going anywhere. No horse shows, nothing. Suddenly, this opportunity arose to go out to Montana that year and work with a trainer named Hannah Catalino. She had interned under Mustang Maddie, and Mm -hmm. she is known for gentling Mustangs at Liberty as well. Mm -hmm. And so I had the opportunity. So I was like, okay, you know what? I'm not showing. I don't really know what to do with Bravo right now. We're having so many issues with him spooking at everything all the time. I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't show him. Maybe I can never show him. Still, I didn't know like what his mouthing of the bit was. He does some weird things with his mouth. I still didn't all know what all that stuff was. I was just, I, I don't know what to do with him. So I guess we'll, we'll go out here. Maybe she can help me. It's kind of perfect timing. Yes. Yeah. So we load up and head out in July. That was just an awesome trip. I'll never forget that trip going out to Montana, being able to run. She lived 6,000 feet up in the mountains. You know, I mean, it was just so cool. We'd go out and ride out in the mountains and stuff. While we were out there, she also had another trainer out there named Luke Gingrich. And a lot of people probably know him too. He's known for his liberty and riding bridalist with his horse, Chloe. That's also never had a bridle on yet. And I think she's five this year. But anyways, he was out there too. So the two of them out there, so we would go out there kind of as interns and we would learn from Hannah in the morning and then on these wild Mustangs and then learn from Luke in the afternoon on either our personal horses or horses Hannah had there. I remember the first session of Luke and he's like, okay, well, do you use treats to train your horse? And I was like, well, no, because he gets really mouthy with it. So Mm -hmm. I just don't. And he's like, okay, well, like you just want to try clicker training. And I was like, Sure, whatever, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm here, so I might as well, right? Right. He starts teaching us how to use treat receiving mode so our horses don't become really mouth. I'm, I'm not saying they don't get a little mouthy, but you can actually teach them to take the treat without trying to maul you. If so, teaching target training, Bravo just loved it. It's like things clicked from him. He's like, Oh, this is why you want me to do this. So I get a treat. 
why nice. did you just say so <laughs> in a month? I mean, we already, already had a Liberty foundation there, but you know, we didn't have a lot of precision work yet. And so that's one thing Luke is very good at is doing teaching posture work and precision work in, in Liberty and obviously using clicker training. And so he started teaching Bravo and I along with all the other interns and it's like it gave Bravo purpose. It gave him the ability to understand why we were doing this. If he made effort, then he would receive a a treat. Not that he didn't try before, but it just, it was like the icing on the cake, I guess. Cherry Mm -hmm. on top. We obviously learned a lot of stuff that month. Posture stuff, haunches in, haunches away, started teaching shoulder in, teachings of collection at Liberty, side pass, multiple other things that I can't remember right now, (laughs) but all in all, it was like teaching clicker training. For instance, what I would do is Bravo was scared of an object. So I would place like, okay, let's say it's a barrel. He doesn't like barrels still, but anyway, it's a barrel. (laughs) And I place the barrel in the arena and he's like, oh, I'm scared of it. And I'm like, well, just why don't you go like, look at it. And if he looked at it, I would click him and give him a treat. And when I say click, You know, a lot of people know what clicker training is. You can use like a little clicker thing, but we click verbally like that. So we Uh don't have to, it's different. See, that's a different clock. Yeah. It's different. The horse knows the difference. It's so much easier than carrying so many things in your hands. So he would look at it and I'd click him and then he'd be like, Ooh, I'm a little curious now. Maybe I'll go up and sniff it and I'd click him. And I would get him to the point where he would leave me and go sniff the object Because he knew he'd get a treat if he'd go do that. Oh, wow. So it was just really great for building his confidence. If he walked by something that scared him and he didn't react, I'd click him. If he stopped by it, I'd click him. Just Mm -hmm. anything that made him scared, we just started like, hey, guess what? You go over there, you get a treat. Hey, you sniff that, you get a treat. Hey, you know, and he's like, yes, I love this. He's very food motivated. (laughs) Highly food motivated. Well, that works. Yes. And so that was, I think, a huge turning point for both of us. I came back that year and really worked with him and spent a lot of time with him working on that stuff throughout the summer and winter and really just seeing a lot of progress. But we were still having some issues with spooking. I just wasn't quite sure what was going on. And also for Bravo has extreme separation anxiety. This is more than likely due to the fact that he was separated from his mom very, very too soon. Um, When it shows that he was rounded up in 2012, and I think they basically said he was like three months. They do studies now that weaning too early is very detrimental to horses. They, Mm -hmm. They say like a lot of people wean at five, six months. They say they should wean at eight to nine months. Oh, wow. Let the dam kind of naturally wean them because when you take them away, that's very traumatic. I mean, imagine if we did that with kids, Mm -hmm. like a year old kid be like, okay, bye. You can't see your mom anymore. You know, like imagine that that would be horrific. Right. Mm -hmm. And how much trauma that emotional trauma that would bring. Mm -hmm. And obviously I know it affects some horses worse than others, but for him, you know, he is, all horses are very, very much herd animals and it's very herd related. And to take him away from that was extremely traumatic for him. To this day, he still is very much that, but also horses that are very, have a lot of separation anxiety can connect to you very strongly if done the right way, because they are looking for safety and comfort. And if they can find that in you, Mm -hmm. 
you are their, their herd. Their, so their he sees that in you. So you, so yes. he has, so do, he has separation anxiety issues with you. Yes. Okay. So how do you, how does that, how do you manage that? I mean, you can't sleep, <laughs> eat, live, do your laundry. Right. Your, right. I mean, you cannot be with him all the time. Right. So most, first of all, he mainly has separation anxiety from me in only new areas. Got it. Here at home, his herd buddies are the priority. He loves his herd buddies, you yeah, know? It's a safe so space. like, yep. Other horses are definitely priority, but people always tell me if he is in an area alone and I hand him off to mm-hmm. them, mm-hmm. he will watch for me. Aww. Come back. He definitely is more anxious, more nervous while they are handling him. So there's obviously that safety and connection, which I think allows us and allows him to be able to go into the arenas and compete. Maybe like we couldn't have done it before. But anyways, in 2021, we went and started showing a lot in the ranch horse associations. And he was way better. Uh (laughs) He still struggled with trail class. Trail class is not our favorite because Mm -hmm. the arena is empty. And then suddenly you come back and there's like bajillion objects in there. That's pretty scary. But he still was having some issues with the bit and just some stuff in general. I'd sent him today for a month of cow training and to do some cutting and learn how to do some cows and stuff. And he, he was more sore after that than what he should have been. Like, please understand it is not anything on Dave. I love Dave. He's one of my Mm -hmm. biggest mentors, but Mm -hmm. just for Bravo himself, it was a lot of work for him physically. And he was sore and had bucked in a class and he never did that. I started doing like some, some research and stuff on him. And I think we had my vet out. Somebody said his hawk, we x-rayed his hawks and found out he had hawk arthritis in his right hawk. And my vet did not feel it was severe enough to, to inject. So we just have pain managed it. And then, but he was still so mouthy, still so mouthy. Actually, the year, the, the year I went to Luke, well, it had been the spring. He had a body worker down there working on horses. And I went Taryn to work on Bravo. So she worked on Bravo. She was working on him on his right side. And she's like, okay, something's wrong. Like he's just so tight over here. And I can't like see it seem to make progress. She's like, I think he, you should x-ray his skull. Have your vet x-ray his skull. And I was like, okay. She's like, something's going on with his like hyoid and TMJ and stuff. It's affecting everything because the hyoid is a bone that's kind of underneath their tongue and it's Mm -hmm. super important. It can affect their balance and it's connected to a ton of other muscles in the body. So it kind of affects their overall health in general. So I got home and I called Dr. Steve Brown. I said, Hey, you know, I think we need to get his head x-rayed she comes out and we x-rayed his head and she's looking and looking and looking. And she says, Oh, look at this. She said this joint, it's called the, the temporal hyoid joint, mm-hmm. which is kind of right there by their TMJ. She says, look, it's kind of fuzzy. And so I was like, okay, what's, what's that mean? <laughs> you know? Right. is fuzzy good or is fuzzy bad? (laughs) Right. Well, she says he has arthritis there and that's called, called THO or temporal hyoid osteopathy, which is basically arthritis of that joint. Well, you got arthritis in the joint. There's pain, right? Right. We also did find arthritis in his pole. So there's some issues there too, but 
she's like, well, yeah, you know, this is attached to his tongue or the hyoid is attached to his tongue. So that every time you have a bit in his mouth, it's obviously bothering him. And so it's like, okay, so what do we do now? She's like, well, I mean, or I was like, what's worst case scenario. And of course she's like, well, worst case scenario is it shatters and you have to put him down. And I was like, oh my God. Holy cow. Yeah. Right. How do you categorize that as worst case scenario? That's like, but I mean, that's yeah, not right. Yeah. Cause of course I'm like, okay, what can we do to make him better? You know? And it's like, okay, well he has arthritis. So yeah. in that joint and she's like, well, we definitely want to possibly consider surgery, you know, in the next year. So if, if a surgeon thinks so, Jeez. because what they can do is they can go in, it sounds like, and break it and then restabilize it. Oh. So it can't shatter. Oh, yes. However, it does not. I had somebody ask me the other day, said, well, do you, do you feel like he's hiding stuff from you? Like he's actually affected by it, like balance wise. And I said, no, I said, I know this horse, like, mm-hmm. like the back of my hand. I would know if he felt off. Like, yeah, that. I would know. Yeah. yeah. I had already planned to go to Congress, but that even more was just like, we're going to go to Congress this year. Yeah. It's now or never, you know, it's now there's... or never. If we're going to do this, why he still feels okay. You have to, we have to do this now. Yes. That's how it got us to this point with Bravo. Mm-hmm. And obviously once finding out all these pain issues, we can identify, we can deal with them. You know, he's on Prevacox. He gets MagnaWave once a month. He gets massage once a month. He gets chiropractic at least two to th- three times a year. All these things are managing his pain. Right. To keep him happy, healthy, and being able meditating. to be the athlete that he yes. needs to be and can be. Yes. We are sponsored by Purple Power Equine. Looking to add performance, power, and balanced nutrition? Purple Power Equine has many products that will become essential in preparing your equine athlete for performance. Whether you need to help gut and hoof health or add weight, body, and dimension, Purple Power Equine can help bring success to your equine athlete. Gastro Power, Power Up, Hoof Power, Power Punch, Emergency Power, visit purplepowerequine.com or on Facebook at Purple Power Equine. So that's our story this week. Thank you for joining us. We look forward to spending more time with you and sharing stories of our industry. See you next week.